yeah and you of course you edit as well so kind of like you can like chop and change to kind of create the a little well yeah minimal you want minimal editing yeah, yeah i do minimal editing because i i don't like the amount of uh work <laughs> no 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 it's about it's that i don't like the amount of like curator sort of curated lives that we like seem to lead and so like people are only sharing what they want to share yeah. or that kind of stuff and i'm i i am not i don't see myself in the role of like the arbiter of good taste mm -mm -mm. and i also don't edit the conversation very much oftentimes because one little aspect that might seem insignificant to me ends up coming back again in the conversation later yeah, yeah. or something that I don't find particularly interesting might connect with a listener incredibly well in some yeah. way that like I could never have foreseen. Yeah. So I generally leave pretty much everything in. I mean, do you want to, I mean, before we actually like, we're already we, recording. Okay. But I was going to say, I mean, did, but, I mean, okay, we're recording, but I mean, do you want to have a look at this, you know, the work or I some some of the, the work. some of the pieces? And so, uh, you don't think I looked at the work? Ah, <laughs> no, but like, uh, I didn't spend enough looking time looking at the work. <laughs> I'm going to hear a lot about you and your life and your work. Yeah, I'm yeah. quite sure in the next okay. hour. So I'm yeah, not yeah. too concerned about having a, a tour pre-recording. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of see myself across the room anyway. So it's like, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lovely portrait. Here. <laughs> yeah. with, with the, I believe if I saw so it, mustachioed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, particularly, I mean, I guess that's quite a, a good place to start uh, in terms of like, me being in Norway and in the work I've made. That's fine. The first thing I actually like to ask people is, could you please pronounce your name correctly for me? Okay, even I can't pronounce my name correctly, but it's, it's uh, Saeed Sitar Hassan. That's what I go by. Yeah. Why is that not correct? Well, my, um, so in a way, actually, like, uh, so my dad's Pakistani. Uh, my mum's English. Uh, my dad moved to the UK in the 70s. On his own, uh, didn't expect to stay, uh, met my mum. Um, and, um, but essentially, obviously, like, um, my mum doesn't speak like Urdu or Punjabi. So she found it difficult to say sort of the name my father gave me. So generally kind of is pronounced Saeed. So my mum says Saeed, it's a bit easier. Would it be Saeed? Sa Saeed, but it'd be uh, Sayed. Sayed. Sayed, which doesn't roll off the tongue particularly when you're kind of growing up in the 80s in the UK, so going to Catholic school, so. I have been calling you Syed, yes. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, but. And I even live in the Middle East, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. so, uh, but yeah, Syed, yeah, Syed. Yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Mm. So, um, okay, yeah, so let's give a little background on sort of who you are. So right now, and I apologize in case the acoustics is horrible on this recording in advance for the listeners, but we are in this quite magnificent studio in the tower over City Hall in Oslo, all of which is just sounds like it's an absurd sentence to say artist studio location. Yeah, totally absurd. You know, kind of and when you kind of start to add it up, you know, like the it, okay, it's the we're we're in the building where the Nobel Nobel Peace Prize is held annually. You know, that's why it it's, looked familiar. It, it's held here. You okay. know, uh, it's quite confusing because um, I guess if you're a tourist in Oslo, across the, I guess the way, like two minutes away, you have the Nobel Peace Center, but that's kind of an exhibition center. But the ceremony itself, like, it's the only. Um, 
one of the Nobel Prizes to be awarded in Oslo, but kind of it was specially designated, okay, the Nobel Peace Prize must be issued in in Oslo, and it's been taking place here I don't know how many years. So, which again is another crazy thing. It's like, you know, wow, like we're 13 floors above where the Nobel Peace Prize is held. And it's a, it's a really magnificent building. It's, uh, they've had artist studios in Oslo City Hall for ever since, you know, since, since, it's, since it's been built. So even, even before it was opened, there was, um, you know, it, it was used as a, as a studio space. So it's kind of got this, like, this legacy of artist studios. So it's kind of quite a, it's, it's, it is a prestigious space, but also it's kind of still fairly, I won't say unknown, but it's surprising how few people know about it as well. So it's, it's uh, yeah. I did not know about it until yeah. I was uh, in, introduced to it by our partner organization, uh, Kunstcentrene in Norge. They, are, they informed me about this location. I hadn't heard about it. Yeah, in a way, I, ca- I can't give like this definitive history of Oslo City Hall, uh, but I'm cool with that. It's, 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 um, I guess it also reflects how kind of suddenly I ended up here. Yeah, I mean, essentially you have three studios and you have, you have one studio for an established Norwegian artist who currently is Tora Magna Gundersen. Then you have a, a studio for... The definition's a little bit uncertain, actually. You could call it a young artist, but in art terms, I mean, a young artist could be somebody, you know, uh, like has been practicing for like 10 years or under 50, you know. I like emerging artists. Emerging, but I mean, in a way, emerging's been used too, but also emerging is like, we can perhaps return to the idea of emerging because, you know... Emerging can be like this perpetual state of emergence, you know. So it's like it's like fuck, man. It's like I've been an artist for like ten years, and I'm still being referred to as an emerging artist. And so, either I mean, you could call so either Madsen Furling has the the let's just say for argument's sake, Atelier B because it's A, B, and C. Uh, And I'd say you know I describe her kind of not so much as I think she's I think it's safe to say she's emerged, you know. Yeah, and so I have the studio for the Utlandskunstner, so which is kind of international or foreign artist. It's a space. It's a space which kind of is designated to to usually the the non-white artist in in kind of like um, you know if I think back to kind of the previous studio holders. I'm sorry, just to be clear, you said non-white. <laughs> okay, correct? this is me being like a, it might sound slightly controversial, but kind of it is what it is at the same time. I think the past few recipients have been like you know it in a way it's a okay I'm digging myself a hole here but it's like it's a good thing at the same time it's somebody who's not necessarily from Norway uh and it's I guess kind of uh it's it ticks kind of like like what art does is like the diversity boxes which is kind of like at the same time kind of I think really necessary so you know I can't you know Agreed, Mm-mm-mm. but Mm-mm. I, I think the you were using slightly broad strokes with saying non-white because I mean that you're implying that everybody not in Norway is not white. <laughs> no, of course that that's the th- that, that, no, but that's the thing. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, take it back a step though. So yeah. like, how did you even get this opportunity? Because like, a I'd never even yeah. heard the studios were existed. B like, how do you even uh, apply for something like yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so essentially like. Um, it's a friend of mine. So I moved to Norway in July 4th, maybe a relevant date for you. 
Uh, well, it's, it's a relevant <laughs> you might, American. You day. might you might be aware of, of that of that day. So we did July fourth, two thousand and eighteen. So we uh, I moved here. So kind of, and then the following year, uh, I was I ended up here. But how I ended up here was a friend of mine, a Norwegian artist, said, "Oh, why don't you why don't you apply uh, for for a studio?" You know, uh, in a way, kind of. Um, I think maybe you've been traveling in Norway for quite a, for, for a bit now, so you understand kind of like there's very kind of, uh, you, you know, you have a calendar of opportunities in Norway, you know, through the funding systems or, or kind of like applying for studios. And so kind of like, I guess, taking it back a step about these studios uh, before launching into my controversial opinions on the, <laughs> who ends up in the Utlandskunstner studio. It's, uh, these get awarded every two years. So basically there was a kind of, uh, you know, the open call, which is now just passed uh, again because we're leaving. It was, uh, why don't you try applying for it? And I mean, I was completely, you know, in a sense, ignorant of what goes on here. And I applied. And um, it might have been to your advantage. Maybe. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's kind of, um, there's a committee and they kind of like select the applications. I'm, I'm, I think they receive quite a lot of applications in the guests, you know, you know, thank you to the people who ended up, you know, sort of like awarding me the studio. But yeah. Well, give me the, okay, but let's again, let's sort of like, give me flesh out this whole thing. So the, this is a free studio, a paid, uh, like how is the, the like sort of logistics of the studio opportunity? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially you're given two years and it's completely free. Um, That's ridiculous. It, no, I mean, it's, it's a really great opportunity um, because I mean, it's, it's, it's very rare to to kind of like be given such space and such a prestigious building and completely free so as i say i mean i i like i was living in norway for like one year before i received this so kind of i have a completely warped sense of like uh of like what life in norway is yeah to you everybody yeah. gets free studios yeah every it's like year. free studios it's yeah. kind of uh you know kind of like uh, just grand buildings high ceilings but actually i mean i, I am now we, we're actually so we've begun in the summer of 2019 and we're about to uh, now this summer leave the studios so we're coming to the kind of the end of our of our stay here so uh yeah so we're going to kind of you know get back down to reality a little bit but we're aware of that and do you have a like a personal studio lined up for after you leave this amazingly prestigious location no uh I've, there, there's you know there's a couple of things kind of like there's a couple of options but you know i'm back kind of i guess kind of in the world of okay how much can I afford like uh, you know these kind of questions which for the past few years I haven't had to deal with you know it's like okay you I've got my entrance card 24-hour access to to this building you know kind of you you come and go and this is your life but now I've got to you know find a probably kind of you know a very small space which isn't a problem uh, and and pay for it which could be a problem (laughs) Well, I mean, how afford? I, I don't know the cost of living really. I mean, I know the cost of living in yeah. Norway is high yeah. in comparison to much of Europe and yeah. the world. But I mean, in compar- like in the thought of uh, how much you would have to pay for an artist's studio, like, is it a lot in the life here? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, my experience as an artist is in the UK and in Norway now. So I can kind of like compare those two situations. And I don't think Nor- Norway is any more expensive than, say, the UK. Um, yeah, relative to rel- the cost of living. Relative to the cost of living and also kind of the, you know, 
yeah, I think it's quite proportional. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the idea of artist studios because um, on the record, this is the very first artist studio I've ever had. So did you did you not go to art school? Never then? had never had I'd never had a studio before before here. So again, like my warped perception of uh, you know what a studio should be. Yes, yeah, so you have been spoiled. I've been Horribly. I've been spoiled. But however, you know there was there was there was a bit of hustling before before I got here. You know, I mean, okay. So in terms of my route to being an artist, I um, love it. Yes, please uh, do tell. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, essentially, kind of I studied you know always been into into art but like um i channeled my energy into drawing when i was young uh ended up doing illustration at ba level in in uh, uh kingston university which is kind of like in the london area not central so very early on i kind of became an illustrator off my graduation show uh during my ba which i kind of completely uh how could you say Classically, during the course of the BA, thought this isn't for me. I, I, I kind of didn't enjoy illustration as much as I thought I would. Uh, but um, ended up kind of picking up an agent from basically my exhibition. I'm sorry, wait, so slow down. You got an agent after your bachelor's degree? Yeah, as a consequence of my exhibition. I mean, again, we're talking about like, you know, very modest exhibition spaces, but illustration, it's a commercial, it's a commercial business. So it was a commercial illustration agency pick me up uh okay that makes more sense yeah 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 so you know i mean i think kind of you know i won't dwell too much on on the illustration kind of history but you know it's people are looking for new talent all the time so it's kind of it's i guess a fast-moving business but you know when i graduated i mean i'm not from london so i kind of uh so essentially kind of taking a step back uh, I moved to London for the for my degree. Moved into London afterwards, and it's you know again it's you know I I, I was with an illustration agency doing kind of commercial work like for international publications. You know, kind of like it's quite weird being like 20 years old and getting phone calls from art editors from like the Wall Street Journal and Time Magazine. Just sort of so it was kind of like thrust into this kind of into this very professional kind of world of like editorial illustration but at the same time I was like a bellhop at a a hotel in in central London and doing other things as well as we all do yeah 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 and uh but you know what one thing I didn't have time to like develop my my practice in a way like so it was always like you know you'd get you'd get kind of a job and it's the you know the, the next client would be like oh we really love what you did last time um and you know could you do something so you'd send kind of like I don't know like um it's quite mad. It sounds really old-fashioned now. You'd fax over basically like sketches of the idea, and they're like, "Oh, but could it be more like the last job you did?" and things like that. And and so what I found myself, what what was happening, you know, I was having to kind of work a lot to basically get a regular salary, getting kind of these sporadic, but intra, you know, but kind of I guess high-profile commissions from like uh, international publications. But like I, I was spending no time, zero time, like being creative. It was like I was playing catch-up all the time. So I just like, I think after, I don't know how many years it was, a few years left, I was like, I, said, I remember speaking to my agent saying, it's in both of our interests not, not to kind of like continue with this relationship. So then I just kind of entered that uh, kind of just a period of like being in your 20s and just, you know, just focusing on like 
not knowing what you're doing. <laughs> I think all of us go through that at, le at least once in their lives. I mean, if not multiple times, quite honestly, I'm sort of at a point of that as well in my career. And I'm sort of like, you know, there are not a huge amount of job opportunities for an art professor who's been traveling the world, you know, kind of thing, but only speaks English. And so, yeah, I mean, it, everybody goes through these things off and on throughout their careers. And one of the hardest part is trying to figure out the way out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think in a way, like, I think it's a, it's a really great period uh, with hindsight, maybe. Yeah, when you're in it, horribly depressing and lonely and, and pathetic and like you think you, you've done everything wrong, but then suddenly something positive happens. Yeah, because I think in, in, in that space, it's hard to kind of really kind of it's quite a nebulous space sometimes. And so you kind of it's this cloud and it's like, but the thing is, it's a, it's a space for exploration. It sounds very general, but I think it's the creative spaces actually, which when you kind of are on a set path, actually you sometimes miss as well. So I think it's, but it's, it's that classic kind of paradox is you can't enjoy it completely when you're in it, but when you're past that point you kind of realize wow this is actually what it's about almost so I guess kind of um, and that's maybe I think a, almost a comment on artistic practice it's how to keep that balance between the this sort of uh, this vigor but also kind of this balance of professionalizing yourself as well so you can kind of like continue uh, because you know also, the space we're talking about is like this well, which you can completely kind of get lost in. And you can also run it dry as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a hard balance. I mean, balance is a big word in my life. I, I've used, I, I often go back to it because like, for instance, like you were talking about having to be a bellhop and then do, do the job as a, as a freelance designer and such. I mean, too many of us, I feel, in the creative industries have to have uh, like a full-time job that pays the bills and then we do our creative thing on the side. Yeah. I think that's horrible. It, you know, yeah, I mean, this is, again, this, this could be a very sprawling conversation because... It already is. Yeah, so it, it, it totally is. Like, yeah, yeah. But, um, okay, so the idea of, like, how to make money as an artist, it's, it's, the, the, it's the eternal conversation, right? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, and I mean, I remember when I was, I guess, made the transition uh, to where I sort of became, you know, from illustrator to, I guess, the general term visual artist, you know, no one talked about like income. And I was always like fascinated with like, okay, we're all in this room. So we're all in this fancy building, this gallery, we're all kind of holding our glass of like free like wine or whatever white wine because red wine stains exactly yeah yeah i actually i actually worked at a gallery that she didn't like white wine so instead she served vodka yeah oh my gosh yeah it was ridiculous yeah yeah that sounds like a messy uh pie it, yeah. it didn't stain no. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't stain it also gets stains out it does if done right yeah so yeah. i mean it was it, it was a uh, people loved going to her openings yeah yeah i can imagine but um probably can't remember them <laughs> <laughs> I was the sober one at the time, so I always remember all the absurdity, but yeah, it was ridiculous. In, in a good way. Great stories, lots of fun. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, but yeah, I think there was a period, and I guess that everything I say, I think kind of, it's not like I'm going to make a disclaimer for this podcast, but it, they're totally my opinion. So it's like, 
I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm just giving opinion. I'm not like forthright, this is how it is, but just how I interpret the world. Well, that's the nature of this entire podcast, which is basically hearing a number of different people's experiences of being in the arts industry in whatever form they're in, because everybody's experiences are different. But the hope is over the course of like, if you were to listen to a dozen or even, you know, I mean, now they're almost 300 episodes, but if you were to listen to, you're going to start hearing commonalities, things that either people struggle with or succeed with or things like this. And it's that those finding those common threads through, you know, the struggles and the successes that, mm. that make the podcast, what I think is most compelling and interesting because most of the things I have learned from my conversations with guests has been the fact that I hear like similar things repeated over and over, no matter whether they're curators, collectors, artists, whatever their roles, I hear common things being talked about again and again. And that's the most interesting part. No, of course. And I think, no, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point because, you know, I, I mean, maybe uh, we were talking about this before we started recording that, that about, you know, the idea of the, eco the ecology of, of art. And it's really, it's divided, but we're all kind of, to a certain extent, like have these very, very, we, there's so many overlaps if you kind of like look within, within the, the wider ecology. And I think it's, it's something which kind of, uh, I think it's, important to, to, to recognize, actually, and it's interesting. Well, like, in the old days, there used to be that, a divide between, like, we'll call it, like, fine artists that show in art galleries versus creative people that create things that are more utilitarian or more, like, like design shops kind of thing. I, I'm using term, current terminology, but, but, like, and there was a divide between those, but now some of the fine artists produce things to make a living yeah. and sell them in design shops and some designers make elevated things that are also shown in fine art you know, realms. And so like that, even that sort of separation is sort of going away in many ways, but on the other hand, yeah, we're an incredibly divided like haves and have nots uh, society. And that, I guess, relates to kind of the point we were talking about in that gallery when you're first becoming an artist and it's like, why is no one talking about what they do? And kind of, I guess, fast-tracking that thought, uh, you know, so I, I remember it's like, no one talks about what they do. No one talks about like, okay, how do you make money? Uh, so... Which is my most important question. Yeah, yeah. But kind of, you know, obviously I think, uh, you know, I feel we're going to have this like quite organic conversation where kind of we can go off on different tracks and relating it to what you were just saying, like the, the idea of being in that situation, say 10 years ago, you know, how, is, how, how are people making money in this space uh, to where we are now? And in terms of the conversation, I think I felt since I've, you know, been an artist, things the conversations are becoming more open so I definitely sensed in the beginning it was like don't ask you know I think kind of it was almost like don't ask because it's 7 p.m I'm gonna I'm gonna be out all night and I don't want to kind of think about what actually I really do in my life I'm gonna be in this space introduced as an artist be an artist and kind of perform like my character as an artist in this in this kind of like in this situation and um and it is you know you're introduced as oh come meet this fantastic artist blah 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 blah. i mean uh and um and that's kind of a really nice fantasy world you know but i think kind of i guess it's a consequence of just the general 
feel of basically like, i guess the zeitgeist we we need to be more open now we need to be more trans no transparency is a, is a term for example which is used a lot for multiple kind of like uh, aspects of society you know to be transparent about like where things come from be to be transparent about like okay how things function yeah and so i kind of see in a positive way uh, that hopefully this is a direction where we are confronting these themes a little bit more honestly well i mean it goes into all kinds of different aspects though because like for like grant writing residencies all these kinds of things oftentimes they don't include um salaries they don't include you know uh, just like a general like daily stipend for an artist to be at a residency kind of thing like there's there's so many things where a lot of society and culture and funders and all these support they are happy to do things like and no i'm not knocking this opportunity you have but like they'll give you a space but they won't give you any money to do anything in that space. Yeah, I mean, that's quite an interesting point, and it relates to a conversation I had with a friend last night about how actually lucky you are in Norway to have that conversation. It's like, I've been given a studio for free for two years, and I'm not getting any money to be here. It's like, that's messed up, you know. I had a conversation with this lady from Finland. Yeah. Now, they, they support the arts even more so than you all they do here in Norway. But the, the, she was complaining that the government only gave her a studio and bought her art supplies. Yeah. That was her complaint. And I'm like, what else is there? Like, that's everything. If I had that, I, I would have no complaints. Yeah. It, no, and in fact, I think no, that, that's, it, it's, it's interesting because, again, like kind of the conversation we had last night is like, but the cleaner only comes twice a week. This is terrible. It's like the free coffee's run out. It's like... <laughs> You know, first world problems but it, it, yeah, totally I mean, no totally first world problems and this is where kind of I think just generally like art occupies this very interesting space in how it's so divisive as well in terms of like you know people's perceptions who are outside of I guess the you know outside of art and but okay so this is a, this is a sort of a, a stretch but isn't art part of basically a democracy in a sense. I mean, if democracy exists, art should be kind of, I think, central to that. And that's a big jump in. I'm going to kind of like, because going back to kind of the first world problems we're discussing, you have like, it, this is, it's possible. So say for example, you know, you can be critical of, of uh, I mean, the in institutions of kind of like political structures. However, Norway and Scandinavia, you mentioned Finland, you know, they still operate as social, social democracies in a sense. And to, a, to an extent more so than, um, I don't know, I feel the UK kind of having moved here. And they are still, despite kind of uh, the issues with, okay, are the arts being funded enough? Comparatively, sort of Scandinavia and Norway are putting more money into into the arts than a lot of countries so say for example you know you live in the czech republic but come from the states and you know i meet a lot of people from the states who come to norway and it's like wow like literally like i can't public money what's that that's not that does not exist in the you know in the states for example well just to be clear like we're here in your studio in the tower and your studio is larger than my apartment in the czech republic mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you got it for free. Exactly, it's insane. But um, but kind of going back to that, you know, I guess what I was thinking of, it, it's like comparatively, I guess, 
to other countries, Scandinavia or the Nordic countries fund art very, you know, generously. However, you know, when you're in the bubble of that country, still you can identify that, okay, things are, it's, it's still a battle, you know, so kind of arts institutions and art unions, they're still kind of like trying to kind of create uh, a healthier environment because obviously, you know, politically there's always people who want to maybe defund or kind of like reduce funding. And, 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 and so it's, it's a very interesting, I think, kind of uh, balance where you have like a, a country which is so well funded, but you know, and this is the, this is the area which is hard to sympathize with, I guess, kind of if you're outside, it's like, because still things could be better. So kind of thinking in a very utopian way, it, I mean, it's a very utopian way, you know, in a way, what, you know, having a, being in a society which really encourages art, nurtures art and, and gives space for artists to kind of like make livings or exist, you know, even in Norway, we're still not completely there. And, you know, I mean, arguably that's not going to happen, like for, you know, you, you, it might not ever happen. However, you know, in through my nebulous kind of conversations, I will kind of, re as I said, we talk return to the same thing about how do you exist as an artist, you know? So you talk about earning money. So in a sense, kind of being an artist, it's like even in this kind of like society where you have... Uh, working grants, you have uh, project support, you have subsidized studios, which I can see you laughing going across the table, like about how ridiculously the, those things do not, uh, they're not offered in most countries. So like, the fact that you even have multiple grants, yeah. I mean, you have to understand, I, I was in for 10 years, I was in North Carolina. And in North Carolina, there's two grants more or less that anybody can apply for. There's a small grant for basically the equivalent of 500 euros and then like a 25,000 one that like will pay for, you know, theoretically one year of your art supplies and your studio, whatever kind of thing mm. and nothing in the middle. Yeah. And that's it. And, and that divide is one of my big pet peeves also because just like, you know, the middle class is going away, blah, 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 the rich is getting richer, all this kind of stuff. Like, same things in the arts basically is like there's funding well, in America. So I can't say anything about here because I don't know the exact numbers of everything here. But the, in America, the, 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 the younger artists, the cheaper artists, the whatever, they can get like a little bit of money just to sort of help them. Mm. Or the more established artists can get actual funding to fund projects. But anybody that's not one of those two criteria they're screwed. There's mm. literally nothing for them. But I also want to go back to the thing where you're talking about, about like making money. So two part question sort of on this aspect, a, do you sell your work? And I ask that because my impression in Europe and I'm, I, I lump Scandinavia into Europe and the UK for that matter, I'm still American. So, <laughs> you know, pre Brexit education, but the, so like I lump it all together. So like in Europe, I feel like Art is more uh, about the concept. And so you're, you, you have an idea and then you propose it or pitch it or whatever, and then you get funded and then there's no necessity for it to be sold because it's already been paid for in the production of it. Mm. Whereas in America, it's produce a piece of art, put it on the wall, sell it, take whatever money you get from that to reinvest, to make more work. Totally different systems. I wish I had been in Europe much earlier because I like the European system better my personal opinion but 
is that sort of the the way you see it having now been you know you you were educated in in the uk you live in norway so like do you feel like it's more in that line or am i completely off base because i am often wrong no i mean i think um i can answer that like is you know to to my you know i have an opinion on that and i, and so, I love it go and, ahead and also as well actually i i think it was on, on a previous podcast which i i did listen to and you discussed this kind of uh i guess the 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 comparison between publicly funded and privately funded uh art colleges i guess and i mean of course they're also mixed as well you know they kind of exist together but obviously in Europe, I think you're correct and say it's weighted towards pub, you know, the public funding in terms of where the majority of artists acquire their money from. But going back to the idea of the concept, I mean, you know, giving you like a, a, an example in my development, um, the first, <clears throat> so, okay, I'm gonna trail back as well. So, we, we, um, so when I did my MA, when I got round to doing my MA, it was in, at Goldsmiths in London, and it was in photography and urban culture. So it was based in the sociology department. So it was kind of more kind of, I guess, a critical kind of uh, uh, MA, kind of academic, but kind of attracted visual artists, sociologists, photographers. So it was a very kind of mixed bag of people. But while I was doing that MA, uh, I got my first public funding. So I guess kind of like, you know, giving in little, little, little kind of uh, dropping in bits of my history. I was doing the MA part-time uh, because I had to work. So doing my, do, working, you know, working, doing my MA. And then also I kind of was like, but, you know, this isn't enough. I need to kind of like, you know, because I, I, I need to be doing projects, you know, I want to. So essentially, so in the UK, we have the Arts Council. Uh, so I'm not sure how much you know about the Arts Council. And I, I kind of uh, applied for a project support. And it's very competitive. Uh, I guess funding still is competitive. Uh, you know, even though it's... That's the thing. Even though public funding is there, it's still competitive. So it's not a given that you apply for something and you get it. But going back to the idea about, okay, so um, is this funding hinged on concepts? I mean, when I applied, you know, you, you give like a, I guess like a... Um, you know, I guess like your uh, your credit is in like your CV, you know, or where you've studied and things like that. But you know, I was in the infancy of my of my I guess my artistic career, but it's essentially a concept, you know. So it was like I'm going to do this. Can you give me money? And I think it does not. I mean, this isn't. Um, I don't think it is totally like this, but there is a lot of you have to explain what you're going to do and kind of like you have to use. I guess it becomes about language, you know, like can you, can you write kind of a lang in a language which basically kind of like gives the sense of legitimacy to a project. So it's like, okay, like I'm going to read this like 100 word description or this kind of, you know, and then the kind of, uh, which is I guess like you, you give a short description usually on kind of, okay, this is what I set out to do. And then you kind of give a, a bigger description. And the interesting thing is, you know, it's how to make the project sound legitimate and it's also um, the funny thing is it also changes so if you give you know if you get the money the project can change however you know you still have to in a sense have an essence of that project so it's not like you know when you make an application you come up with a concept it's like okay I'm gonna 
I don't know, I'm doing a portrait project on uh, people who live on the streets or whatever and kind of, and it's because I'm, to, I'm, I'm discussing kind of like, uh, you know, the, the economic crisis and how it's affected kind of blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to do this portrait project and then, you know, all of a sudden then you can't say, oh, now I'm doing something completely different. You still have to hold on to kind of the essence of that, of that project. However, it will inevitably change. But I guess my point is that you need kind of to sound legitimate and write in a way which kind of, uh, I guess, is an acceptable and understandable kind of like form for, I guess, the, the jury or committees to, to kind of say, okay, we'll back that. We'll give that money. Well, and that's my biggest pet peeve, mm. like across the board with the entire artistic industry at this moment, which is like, I had a previous guest that like explained this beautifully, which is that artists these days, so a visual artist, let's just stay with what we do. So visual artists, we are expected to not only come up with beautiful visual arts, interesting, engaging, whatever, you know, I use the term beautiful, but like compelling visual arts Mm. and write eloquently about it. Whereas a writer who writes a book is not expected to paint a painting explaining their book. So why is it that the the entire industry has gotten into this very uh, reinforced process, you know, so whether it's grants, funding, whatever, like all the different things basically that build a successful artistic career feel like they're leaning heavily into us not only being able to make beautiful you know uh, uh, compelling work but also be able to write eloquently about it when if we wanted to be writers we would have been writers but we chose to be visual artists so that's not our strength Mm. that's my pet that's my soapbox for the day yeah i mean and i and i and i get that it's but hold on, I also want to add in the other part that I don't, you brought up the competitiveness of the, the application process and stuff like this. The problem that I also have with those things, <laughs> this is all just me like bitching. Yeah, do but, it. Yeah. But my problem with that is, is the, the criteria. Who decides? How do they decide? What's the most important element? Like I wish that when they did those competitions, they would say, first, first we will look at the work. Second, we will look at the statement. Third, we will look at the CV, let's say let's say in a perfect world that that's the way it would work so that you would know to like really fucking kill it with the portfolio. And then, you know, the second most important thing is this. And the third most important thing is this. So like you can, you can literally like hierarchically know what to put the most time, effort and energy into. But unfortunately right now they ask for like a million things and you don't know what's the most important part of it. I think with the application process, I mean, I think kind of they do, they do, uh, like, so say, for example, if I apply for project support, like, you know, there, there, is a, there is a formula, a format to the application process. But I think in a way, I mean, kind of, I'm kind of sensing from what you're saying there, it is, it, it's, this un, it's this unknown quantity. It's like... It's the subjectivity that comes yeah, into it. Yeah, it's the subjectivity. But in a sense, I mean, what, I'm, what I've kind of, uh, what, what I've learned, in a, I mean, again, you wrestle with it, but except at the same time, you know, all systems are flawed. So you can have kind of like, I guess, returning to this, if we kind of like position Norway as like, you know, at the kind of, in terms of public funding, artist unions is kind of quite an exceptional, an exceptional space in terms of artist representation. However, kind of uh, talking about like the, the very kind of uh, privileged problems we, we, we're discussing here, it, it's a flawed system as well. So again, it's, it's like the idea of, you know, you get this, um, the, the subjective notion of uh, what's quality work or, or what, what's deemed like, okay, 
I guess the, 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 the two words you, you hear a lot is like quality and activity, you know, so activity in terms of like, uh, okay, so where have you, what have you been showing? You know, how regularly are you showing? Where are you showing? Uh, quality in, in the terms of like, I mean, that's, that blows my mind quality because it's just like, okay, like that's, who's got the, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like kind of the metric system. It's like, where's that weight kept? Do you know what I mean? Which basically is the measure of quality because it's like, you know, which is kind of like, do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, I, I do. There, I mean, there are two aspects to that. Like the quality thing, totally subjective. You know, like, I mean, there are many artists in the world that are incredibly well-respected and or sell very well or whatever they, you know, measure of success that I think are absolute crap. Mm. So quality, I think is a totally, but what was the other one? <laughs> uh, activity. Activity. Yeah. That one also is a bit crazy because like, I like the last set of work I did, it took me four years to complete that set of work until I believed it was ready to exhibit. So for four years I had no exhibitions, mm -hmm. but there's this, and there's this weird expectation that like, so if I'm working, let's say on a new body of work, I should also be actively exhibiting my previous bodies of works, even though that's not what I'm making now, but it's what I have available in my inventory. So I should be exhibit. And it's this constant like hamster wheel of a cycle of like be making new work, but be exhibiting the old work and be known and then get known for the old work. But now you have new work and it's like, for fuck's sake, let us just like focus on making our stuff. Like this is why I love galleries or representatives or anybody that can do all this bureaucratic bullshit for me mm. because I didn't come into the arts industry to do all that crap. <laughs> like I came into the arts industry to create things. Mm. Like I love creating stuff. I love uh, problem solving. I love all the sort of characteristics that go into like the, the process of being creative, fixing problems, you know, working things out, teaching it even like, you know, trying to figure out how, how people uh, learn and how they can, they can then figure out how to do it for themselves. All this kind of stuff. Like, this is my thing. This is my Uber. I hate paperwork. I hate applications. That's not why I got into this. If I wanted to be in that industry, I would have gone into like sales or marketing or any other industry pretty much other than the arts. Okay. However, okay. So like uh, in intervening here. I'm sorry. I yeah. feel like I'm being such a negative. No, today. no, no. No, the thing is like, you know, this is it's a, it's a frank, it's a frank discussion. And also, you know, I think now we're hitting a space where we can be quite, you know, I think we're building this kind of like uh, almost potentially a manifesto, but like, but say for example, what you're saying there, and this is like, I guess what our conversation will essentially be is is a minefield, because there you're talking about okay, I want to I want to be creative, I want to make artwork, but I don't want to do the the what essentially is the the dirty work, and again like. I say it's a minefield because being an artist and the artist, I guess, uh, my, my interpretation of the artistic ecology, it's full of contradictions. So, you know, I'm going to throw something at you here is we've talked about, ah, oh, you know, Norway, you know, you know, I've seen you kind of across the table, like smirk when I talk about like the privilege of the Norwegian kind of uh, funding system. But you're imagining a scenario which is impossible where you want to make work you want to enjoy all the uh, 
I guess, kind of benefits of being creative and, and immersing yourself in that process. But the dirty work, and it returns to this question, is how do you make money? And the application processes and the hustle is the emails. It's the kind of like writing kind of long project descriptions. And the thing is, artists, you know, um, need to, in order to, I guess, even attempt to make something of a living i'm talking about like whether it's 10 percent, 50 percent, or 100 percent of your income through art you need to you need to you need to do that in order to become even like make it even a a substantial part of your income you know so this is this is kind of uh, the the boring side i guess of, of being an art, artist i mean kind of you know when when you're kind of i guess when i was young and and maybe naive and you know you've got this kind of we talked about like the left bank or whatever the 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 latin quarter of paris or i don't know like this uh you know this beautiful kind of uh world of of uh drug addicts kind of like making amazing work at like kind of all hours of the day and kind of like you know this uh, you know you know the lifestyle the, 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 the lifestyle but you know it's it's interesting because to actually make a living from art you, you know the, the the most successful artists that i know i guess through my friendship kind of fr- friendship so people I, I do know uh who are doing okay and i say okay you know kind of exhibiting and, and getting funding and, and this is in norway and like i guess like outside of norway as well they're, they're really professional you know they're, 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 they're super focused and it's an interesting balance because I think it's all hinged on your desire to continue and, and make try and make a living because it's like this idea of okay and again this relates to the making definitely how you make money and it's okay, I really want to be an artist, do you know? I don't want to do it, because what you find is artists, you know, we don't want to do other jobs. I mean, I've worked in, like, I've done, I told you I've been a bellhop, I've worked in psychiatric hospitals, I've worked in a men's clothing store, I've kind of worked in schools. Uh, and ultimately, great, great life experiences. However, like, you don't want to do that. You want to invest as much time as possible in, in your artistic practice. But obviously, that comes with okay if you're investing time in your artistic practice obviously it's it's the completely obvious thing to say but you need to you know you need to pay the bills you need to pay your rent you need to like essentially kind of like just essentially you need to earn an income and this is such a kind of like a a difficult subject for for artists to deal with because it's like how how do you how do you do that Okay, but I'd like to re- retort on your, your point about like the dirty work, the word of like the dirty work. That I, I, I don't believe it. I never had the idea that like the, the, the business side of it, the writing, the taxes, the, all the other. I never really thought of that as like the dirty work. I believe that I was probably, I was sold a bad bill of goods in my youth, basically. Like people didn't talk about those things. Yes. And so therefore I didn't, I was unaware until fuck until probably I was almost 30 years old that this stuff was necessary like had I known at an earlier time you know even in my undergraduate degrees like where my if my professors had encouraged us more like I remember my professor saying like oh you need to write artist statements in an artist bio and like that's it like that's all they ever taught us how to write and just side note they did a shit job at that too but 
they didn't know they they never had to apply for grants they never had to apply for residencies or maybe they did i don't know but they never really taught us that that was important that we needed to know this and this is my problem is, is that like basically like I, I feel like to a certain extent because of the time of my education and probably even partly the place of my educations that I was not set up with the things to succeed in the way that I hope that our current students through things like this podcast and hearing that how important this kind of stuff is might learn and understand and appreciate and be, a, and be aware of at a much younger age. There's too many things to talk about in, uh, around what you've just talk, talked about there. I mean, so like, okay, I'm going to maybe do certain unrelated points. I remember when, I mean, this is illustration. Like when I did my, when I did my BA, like for illustration, I remember one of the, it was brutal, but very honest. I remember like they said, I mean, I mean it's quite a small course what I did and uh, it was quite a, reputable place to study illustration in the UK and in Europe I think at the time and they go okay 10% of you will only 10% of you will ever work in illustration and also I'm not giving you any of my contacts because you're essentially the direct competition when you finish in this 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 institution so it's like okay <laughs> and that I mean so it, it it's it's I mean that was pretty brutal but also very honest but obviously, going to the visual arts, um, again, I've been out of, you know, I finished my MA in 2009. So again, things are moving and changing. However, you know, when you, uh, you know, quite a, a common theme when you talk, talk to people who have graduated kind of in that window of time, it's like no one prepared me for making a living. So what you have, you have these kind of like havens for creativity and discussion and in like uh, pushing your ideas or your or you know finding your kind of your 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 voice and critique and craftsmanship exactly but you know proportionally I don't think enough is given over to okay how is this a viable uh, career and I think I think you there are I mean you, you have like courses or you have talks and I think, no, it is, I think it could be getting better. I mean, again, this is not through personal experience, but I just feel, you know, it relates to what we're talking about. Hopefully things are becoming more transparent now. But I mean, even, you know, from my experience, there was no, it's like, you're not here to talk about that. You're here to, to as you say, you're here to kind of push your creativity and, and uh, kind of, you, you're not here to think about making money. And that's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. And it's, I think it's quite damaging. Um, hopefully, you know, I wouldn't want to make the, place the assumption that this is happening on all institutions. But, but the thing is, it kind of is. But the reason being, okay, opinion here, not, not kind of like categorical truth. No one fucking knows how to make a sustainable living. As an, as, as an artist, no one can guarantee a route to success or a, a, a route to sustainability because it's a it's again the recurring theme it's a massively subjective a massively flawed system and um you know what do you do you know where where do you when you're out of that institution it's like okay like you know the funding system or or private private kind of funding and these are all such unknown quantities but i think maybe this sort of 
you know, we keep on connecting to this issue as well. And I'm going to do, but introduce another sweeping statement about the art world. It's a tremendously privileged space, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous. And I think your laugh is completely justified there because it's such an obvious thing to say. However, it goes, it, it, it returns round to the, I guess, the minefield, the contradictions of, 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 of the art world. So in terms of how do you function as an artist, there's, I think, kind of, there's this mystery, I think, about like, okay, how, how the fuck can you be an artist? How can you survive as an artist? You don't talk about money. You don't, as far as I know, like you're, you're not selling much. It's like, how can you, how can this be your chosen career? Do you know what I mean? How come, and, and the interesting thing is, you have people who struggle, you know, in a very heart on sleeve. It's like, this is really difficult. I can't afford this. And it's, you know, but I want to do it so much. And you have people where it's just effortless. It's breezy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's this, and that goes to the kind of like the, the sense of entitlement. It's like, I am an artist. I should be an artist. This is what I do. And it's like, Okay, but there are those people that it, it seems effortless. Mm. But again, this goes back to the people that you brought up before, which is they are the ones who will sit in the office and do the work. They will do the, 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 the emails, the marketing, the branding, the whatever thing that needs to be done, the applications. Because, and it seems effortless because they don't talk about all that work that they put in. They just say, yes, I received this grant. <laughs> and so you always, all you see is just like in the arts itself, in the production of a piece of art, like you could have put a decade into like I'm looking at your work that's sitting here so like decade into learning the weaving techniques but all I see is this finished product so like so so I don't see all the hard work and so like a lot of these people like so this work looks effortless at this point mm. because you have all that work behind it so like there are many people that do that kind of stuff and they do it. and they are, you know kudos for them I, I I I know today I've sounded kind of negative but mm. like it's you're talking I'm, to me I'm, no I'm, be, I'm just being <laughs> critical like yeah. I don't think I'm being negative about any of this I don't hope anyways but but I do have something I would be negative about which is that the, the going back to the education stuff I teach at university now so at university a student takes an average of what it's like five classes a semester two semesters a year so that's 10 a year so that's four that's 40 approximately 40 classes a year and or, or 40 classes in order to graduate from a bachelor's degree now in that Every single school I've taught at, which is, I think, six schools, maybe five, there has literally been one course called something to the effect of professional practices, you know, making money, you know, being, making a living as an artist, whatever. One course. That's it. Out of 40 courses. That should be something that should not only be integrated into every course so like wouldn't it be great if like when you were in school let's say you took a intro to graphic design course that like just even like one week out of that course was and this is a way to make money being a graphic designer and then you take a photography course and they do one week of and this is how to make money as a photographer or a sculpture course and this is a way to make money as a sculptor mm. like that should be integrated into all these courses instead of and, and it should be talked about uh, you know all the time because like it's not there's I know so many amazing students that I have taught and I know so many amazing people that I went to school with who are phenomenal artists but because they also did not have that skill of, of being able to balance that uh, creativity with their professional practices have not been as successful as they could or should be yeah yeah no definitely 
it's um but that's the I'm, in, I'm in, sticking up for the little man no here. no exactly no totally I'm, I'm i'm totally with you on that but it's it's an in, it's an interesting scenario though it's like it's um that's the reality you know and i think kind of in a way like that's life in general you, you know what i mean you can't like sit on talent you can't it's it's um but then what good is talent no but this again <laughs> we're going back to this utopian scenario so in a sense you're kind of more you're, you're you're more kind of like norwegian than you think because you know what's the society where i can just sit in my chair and be talented and just and and have a house <laughs> you know what i mean and have kind of like all the security that kind of like a job would give you just because i'm I'm talented, you know, and so it's kind of, it returns to that situation. And this is, I think the, you know, maybe the, it's the, it's the kind of the contradictions that bubble in the artists. And it's like, you know, you, you want to, you want this recognition, you want to be, but, but it's, you want to kind of just explore and be in this creative space, but you need to, you need to do, you need to do more than that. Uh, so I guess kind of what I'm interested in is, is trying to identify, okay, so I understand that, okay, you know, I've been an artist for 10 years or I've done my, I've just graduated or, you know, I, I have trust in my ability. I know that I can, I can do it. However, I need to find a way of doing it. So I guess the space I'm in, you know, I feel secure in like as an artist in, in the sense of like as an individual, not as an enterprise, but just I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I have an assurance. Okay, I can, I can make art. Okay, that's I, fine. I just love the fact that you referred to yourself as an enterprise. To- no, but totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this 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 uh, weaving thing there is uh, Hassan As, which is a- AS is basically the kind of like the the shortened version for kind of essentially like limited is the equivalent of limited company. Uh, but yeah, so in a sense, you know, when and I think kind of when you graduate, it's also kind of a you know, I don't know why I'm focus on graduation but this is like you know there's this question of am i can i can i can i perform it's like a performance issue do you know what i mean it's like can i do it do you know what i mean and i think as soon as you kind of just relax and it's just like okay i can do this but it's like how how can i do this well a lot of that comes to like peers and and other friends contacts all this kind of stuff too because like i know you know for my okay for i'm not going to talk about other people from my own experiences mm-hmm. the when you leave school, you leave a lot of the support network behind yeah. oftentimes because oftentimes you leave the physical, not just the campus, but you often leave the, the region or whatever. And the, the loss of that and then trying to find that again and then and keeping up that confidence without the active support, not only the support network, but the consistent feedback that you got in school and things like this. Like, I mean, when I was in school, they, they gave us statistics that said like 95% of you will stop stop making art within five years of graduation mm. yeah like, and, and quite honestly that's kind of true yeah okay this is really a trippy analogy but I, I kind of uh i see our uh, you know like one of these wildlife programs where you have these sea turtles on the beach and they kind of lay thousands of eggs okay it's, this is random but you have like uh and you know it's this kind of you know, beautiful program narrated by David Attenborough or whatever, or he's this like, you know, famous kind of... Uh, Just got knighted yeah. a second time, yeah, yes. my word. And so, uh, and, uh, you know, thousands of eggs kind of like, you know, sort of hatching on the beach. And literally, ultimately, there's only one or, or like a, a small, like, in, like infinitesimally small 
percentage who actually make it actually as a kind of like a, into the sea, you know, because you have the hurdle, you have the, you know, you have all the goals or whatever, kind of picking at kind of like the turtles as they run to the kind of the wash, you know. But so basically in the end, you're literally saying the art world is survival of the fittest. It's totally survival of the fittest. No, totally. And then again, it's like, well, what tools do you need to survive? And again, it all becomes something which you can kind of, I guess kind of what I try and do is, um, kind of reduce things to kind of un- to, to, to understand it but you know you, I, you know the more doors you open you kind of end up kind of like you know you still don't fully understand something but I think that's quite an interesting point you make survival of the fittest so what is the criteria to to to, to survive and it's also subjective it's subjective and it relates again to kind of like we've talked about languages you use for funding or kind of the, the how fashionable your work is or and you know the big one like is who do you know you know so so kind of in a, in a sense it's a you know being you know being an artist you have to kind of you do it because foremostly you love it uh however kind of it's a it's a it's a flawed it's a flawed system uh and you've just got to kind of if you want to try and make a go of it to have a try and Try and look at how it's structured. Understand the kind of the the the, the, the okay where money comes from. Uh, however, still that that doesn't provide you with a a template to be successful or to to kind of like make a living. But at least you kind of you know you and I guess this returns to this court you know people to talk about art in this way at institutions because it's kind of to give a sense of okay what is the real picture when you when you do kind of like leave say the institution and you want to want to practice so i mean we're looking at public funding you know in norway uh working grants project support or you're looking at private funding uh which is like okay like you know i mean patrons wherever they are <laughs> you know or or just kind of people who are wealthy enough to 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 buy to buy work um I mean, that opens up another rabbit hole of, okay, like the, I guess, kind of privileged and elitist nature of the art world as well. No. So, so again, another, another revelation. That is shocking. Yeah. The art world is elitist? Oh, my word. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish somebody had told me. Yeah, yeah. No, but actually, I want to go back to you said the, the, the thing about um, the fact that a lot of the arts world is about who you know. And I've actually come to the realization that it's not a who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah, I mean, you can flip it. And I think that's totally, you know, that, I think it's a combination that, I mean, you know, I think everything we talk about, it's not one thing or the other, it's multiple things. And I think that's part of the recipe as well. You know, it's kind of like who, who, who knows you. Uh, but... You know, I mean, there is there is totally space for you know there is there's there's space for having conviction in what you do, in reaching out to in reaching out to people, and it doesn't go down well all the time. But I, I think about when I moved to Norway, for example. So you know, say for example, I knew nothing about Norway before I come here. You know, I mean, I knew obviously the basics, but in terms of the real Norwegian society, you know, I I, I didn't I didn't know what society is like in Norway. Uh, so I had no connections, nothing. And so, but I came, I had a kind of certain, with my practice, um, I think I was hitting a point where I was just confident in what I do, you know, and I was, uh, there's conversations I wanted to have with my practice. And so kind of, it's like, okay, what institutions are there in Norway who I feel like I could 
you know, literally just start a conversation with, you know, because of, of mutual, mutual interests. So I think kind of, you know, it, it can, that isn't, again, like a, a solution to, to everything, but it's a good place to start to kind of like identify organizations and individuals who, you know, like yourself, you know, it's like, I want to talk to people. And conversations are essentially a really important way to develop things, I think, in, in like, especially, you know, the, 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 I guess the art world, you know, because it's, it's about locating mutual interests and seeing if there's possibilities. And it doesn't always equate to like exhibitions, but I think it's about talking and learning and finding out about what's going on. And again, you know, we can look at, we can talk about like the, you know, very, you know, I can, I can talk super cynically just about like, you know, the art, the art world or my experiences from the art world, but equally kind of it's this, um, it's driven by people who are, uh, you know, sort of passionate and have multiple interests. And one of those people or one of those groups will have like overlapping interests. And it's like, okay, you know, let's, let's kind of have a relationship, you know, let's talk about like what we can do in the future or just how we can, you know, just have conversations to keep kind of the, the, I guess the vigor in the, in the discussion going, you know? Well, obviously I'm a lover of conversations. I run a freaking podcast, but you know, but I mean, I have had almost every great opportunity in my career happen because of a conversation, not because of a, portfolio submission or a, a, you know, a, a, a formal meeting or anything like this, like mm. almost every opportunity, good opportunity, I've had some bad opportunities too, but good opportunities have come from like, just, just getting to know people because like, I mean, everything you're saying. So like as an artist, if you want a gallery to represent you, the gallerist as a person wants to like working with you. So that's about personal interactions, not professional quality necessarily. I mean, that has to be there, of course, but they also want to have to like you. When a gallerist ends up trying to sell your work or place it in an institution, they're going to want to talk to the artist. It's all again going back to conversation. So like the ability to have good conversations, not necessarily intellectual conversations, but to be an interesting person, an engaging person, to be fun to be around, to be all these kinds of you know things that are, you know, general positive human attributes are very important especially in this industry because like my wife works as an accountant not so important there <laughs> you know but but here in this industry that's incredibly important yeah it, it, it is important and uh, I think kind of if we you know kind of going back to the point of like uh, you find people and people find you this different you know the, the flip side of the coin I think when you're in the when you're approaching it from the okay i need to connect with people you totally i think it's you know it's about building relationships and kind of and and so uh and i think you made the point about every good opportunity has been through not portfolio reviews but through kind of building these kind of conversations and relationships i think that's totally the case because i mean i think you can function you know you can submit and you can kind of be selected on the basis of like an image of what you do or, you know, uh, and, you know, maybe that becomes CV filler, you know what I mean? But the good things on your CV, you know, mostly will be a consequence of building a relationship. And actually, you know, and that relationship may have started with a random email or just, you know, like picking up the phone or just 
a conversation and but it's that kind of like slow burning relationship and it doesn't mean that that's like um uh, you know that's one of several or you know of, of relationships you have to build they don't come very often well, i mean that's the another thing that again like it comes up again and again which is a lot of younger artists and to a certain extent a lot of people outside the arts world don't even understand is that like being an artist working in this industry is a marathon like a lifetime marathon this is not there's no there's not even like a a decade just sprint like your 30s to 40s you sprint kind of thing like no 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 it is always a marathon and that like I mean a lot of the opportunities that I've had have come from people that I met 10 12 15 years ago and then suddenly I reconnect with them for whatever reason and then they were like oh yeah hey yeah what about you know doing this and I'm like great yeah happy to do that but like it would not have happened had I not made that relationship with them a decade ago. Mm. So, I mean, it, it's not ever, it, it sounds bad, but like when I was a kid, I, you know, I was, I was raised in Washington, DC. So political hand, glad handing and, and, you know, everybody was out for themselves and everybody was using other people and things like this. And in my youth, I thought that's how the world worked because that's what I was raised around. And so I ended up being a bit of an arrogant shit that used people in my youth. And, and quite honestly, I, I, people used me and I was fine with that because I thought that's the way the world went around. Mm. And then, of course, in my age and wisdom, I have learned that that is horribly incorrect and that I should never have done that because <laughs> it hurt a lot of my professional relationships. So, you know, learning this even at my own, at the age that I am is, is I think it's still of the utmost importance because I'm still running the marathon. Mm, mm, mm. No, I mean, it's, I think the marathon's a really interesting uh, analogy. I mean, I don't know where I am. I mean, I think I'm maybe on the 10K right now. You know, you know, like uh, it's because um, what you kind of what you what um, a conversation I've had again, like recently, it's like, so, you know, you graduate, you decide or, you, you know, you become an artist. And, and now it's the like the 10 year thing or whatever. It's like kind of who makes it beyond 10 years, you know, because obviously, I mean, I've just had a daughter. Um, so that wasn't obvious, but yeah, go on. Uh, did I say obvious? <laughs> look at me. I, I look tired. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, when you have a family, for example, that's another hurdle, uh, in terms of like how much you can put into your practice. And again, your ability to make a living off that, because ultimately kind of there's these different levels, which we kind of, I guess have referred to it's like this balance between okay how much how much time can I spend on my practice and that's proportional to I guess your ability to to make a living from that practice so kind of it is proportional so say for example you know I can spend 75 percent say for example of time on my practice because I, I can afford to spend 75 percent of my time on, on that on my practice and that's because either I make money through my art or because the other 25 percent of my time is funding that activity which is possibly completely unrelated to this so it's all this kind of this this balance i kind of lost my point there slightly but uh, it's yeah. okay Actually, i wanted to add in a little thing too like the the nature of like the marathon things there's this book that i read in college uh one of my professors i think told us to read it which is called uh finite and infinite games by this author james karsh okay i'm probably mispronouncing his name but finite and infinite, and, it, and it sort of like made me be like oh no shit because like it's basically the idea that the entire your entire existence breaks down into two kinds of games there are finite games and infinite 
finite games. So finite games are games that you, there's a set, set field of play, set players, a beginning and an end. That's it. So basically a job. So like you're working in a menswear store. So mm. beginning, middle, you know, all the people you worked with, there you go. That's a finite game. And it has a completion, a winner, a loser, or whatever. And then there are infinite games. And these are games that you play for throughout your entire life. And you play them for the love of playing them. You, you continually play them. And, and you know, so the, the examples they give are like love, relationships. These are fun, infinite games. Um, but in the same way, an arts career is an infinite game. Like, I don't know any artist that I've ever met or even heard of that quote unquote retired <laughs> like they will continue to work as long as their body and mind is capable of working so like choosing to be in this industry is not just like a a passion a desire a, a money grab thing i mean it's literally something that we will physically do as long as our bodies are allowing us and our minds are allowing us to do it so like i find it you know incredibly inspiring to think of it like that but it's also kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the uh, yeah. I think that's the conundrum, though. In the in the kind of the that you know that's the mess that place. You know, we, and we have to navigate those two. And that's the interesting thing. We have to navigate these different different spaces. And I mean, it is. I mean, in a way, like this infinite space. I think you can also relate it to maybe. Uh, okay, I'm going to make up the the concept of reward. You know, you talk about the finite and the infinite. So I think actually what you were talking about was, was more, you know, kind of uh, poetic, you know, but kind of, uh, and I really, I think, you know, that's a very nice way of articulating this kind of, the longevity of, of that kind of ultimately like being creative gives you, you know, it's kind of an elixir, you know, you don't want to, you, you know, you don't, it, you keep going and you don't want to stop. But, you know, it's also the idea of reward. So that finite space, you know what you're getting. You know, these are my hours and this is what I will get as a consequence of these hours. And I think kind of also, you know, but in terms of reward, so that's kind of like you could call it a closed, a closed reward. It's uh, the finite, as you, as you talk about. It's like, okay, I do this, I get that. And to a certain extent, you know, that applies to art. But, uh, you know, equating the infinite in the, you know, the idea of reward it's this open book. It's kind of a lottery ticket. Like it, it's it's like there's there's always the, 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 there's always the potential for something, you know, and you can get lost in this kind of uh, something will happen like phase. And the something will happen phase could be your whole life, you know. I I can't tell you how many times like I will put together a body of work and I'll put up an exhibition. I'll be like, this is going to be the exhibition that's going to make my reputation. Like this will be my career defining series. And nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> and this is again, this is the the wonderful mystical fucked up kind of like mindset of like artists because it's this allure. It's like this this mystery which kind of feels good because in a way like in, in, a, in, a, in a world where like you know uh, as I say we talk about these finite kind of like uh, aspects of like living like art gives you this op it's this open book you know something could happen it's like as you say I'm going to do this show and somebody's going to walk in and just go wow you've changed my life here's like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever and like you know and um, it's this kind of you could call it hope do you know what I mean and which which basically kind of fuels 
you know, fuels us and fuels, fuels artists. Yeah, I, I actually wrote the note, hope in a prayer. Yeah, exactly. Hope in, in a prayer as well. Even if you're a freaking atheist, you know what I mean? Your, your hands are clasped together before that kind of like opening or whatever. However, it's, you know, it comes also back down to, okay, managing expectations. Because, and this is, this is where kind of like the professionalization, the, the attempt to try and be a professional in this, in this world, kind of like the things you have to kind of maybe think about. And it's like, because what I like is, you know, so say for example, I'm currently self-employed. You know, I've got, I've got other, you know, I, so my situation is I, you know, I run a, a, I run a, t- a discussion group that gives me a degree of uh, money, like a monthly discussion group. Uh, with an organization called Praxis. So that gives me, that gives me some income. I've, I like to do occasional uh, gallery sitting at Oslo Kunstverening, uh, which actually is pretty much kind of like close to August. So that tells you how regular my, uh, <laughs> my income with those guys are. But, but um, it's managing those expectations essentially. So it's, okay, who is going to walk through that door. There's not this like mystery person who's just kind of like going to come in and you know. No, the, no, the, no. There is. The, no, but that's the hope. <laughs> but but the reality is, it, 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 it's like okay, like what I was interested in, and I don't have the answers to this. So Oslo is, you know, it's a capital city, obviously, but it's also kind of a relatively small city in in, in terms of uh, you know international capitals and cities, and but. Okay, so how many people are collecting art, you know, in, in Oslo, for example? So, I mean, these are questions, I guess, like, it's, it's not really a deep dive, but if you want to sort of, like, really kind of try and create a picture of, like, uh, okay, what are the kind of the financial uh, possibilities? It's like, okay, so you've got the, we've discussed public funding, and then you talk about the private sector. Who's buying art? So in terms of kind of, like, this hope, of, of like being in that exhibition, doing that exhibition opening and who's going to come in. So you might have people from maybe people from institutions that will kind of like, uh, or galleries that want to come and see your work. And then maybe you have that, you know, a private, a private buyer who might be connected to a gallery or just kind of a, a patron or supporter of the arts. And actually when you start to kind of like try and reduce that scene, there's very few people who are there to actually like, you know, give the opportunities that perhaps will allow you to, be this kind of like uh, artist who's making money and making making a living, right? But just to be clear, you're saying you're saying like, oh, within Oslo, that's within every city. It's with no, but of course, like I mean, that, that no matter how big, because I mean, it's a, it's a proportional thing. So like, okay, fine. Let's say you're in New York. Well, for the amount of galleries, institutions, and artists in New York, there's still probably the same proportion of like private collectors. No, totally. I mean, when I talk about Oslo, I guess, uh, you know, as you say, it can be applied universally. But kind of that point being, and I think it's kind of an interesting space to dwell on, is we talk about the finite, uh, the finite and the infinite uh, in the sense of openness. But however, when you start to reduce the art world into kind of like, you, you know, you demystify it, it's a finite, it's a completely super finite space. So kind of there's, in a sense, like there's no space okay I'll come up with like a strong opinion here I think there's no space to be this kind of uh, misty eyed kind of uh, this kind of artistic dreamer that thinks something's just going to happen to you because actually when, when you kind of like reduce it down it's a super finite space and it, at the same time it's 
it's it could be interpreted as quite a depressing thing because obviously it, then that relates to kind of like the the as we've discussed kind of the political like nature of how these like ecosystems are hinged but also you need to confront that because if you are kind of a, a completely stubborn creative who just sees this is their calling as you point to yourself kind of across the table like it's you need to get to grips with that if you can i mean i mean it's a difference thriving in that system but like you need to at least kind of like have this as much of a real picture as possible in order to even contemplate okay this is what i'm going to try and do you know well there's a huge difference between the two things that you're talking about because like when i'm talking about this idea of the marathon of producing art. I'm talking about the marathon of being an artist producing. What you're talking about is the finite game, which I agree with you. You're right. The, the finite game of the let's, I don't know what the right word would be art industry, art market, art world, but like the, you know, the, the relationships of galleries, institutions, things like this, this, that's absolutely finite because, you know, a director at an institution who loves you is not going to necessarily be at that institution for you know your entire life. Mm. And the, the person who owns a gallery, that gallery may not exist or they may not want to represent you. So the, those will end up being finite games for sure so the the industry the the the, the capitalism let's say almost mm. the the sort of surrounds it absolutely finite games what i'm the romantic here talking about the infinite game of the production of art the being creative the in the studio and, and that's probably to my detriment so there <laughs> no i mean we could i mean in a way like it's it's nice that you kind of bring it back to that because obviously that's an important aspect as well however i think i don't know the way i think is um you know maybe the analogy of caged birds is a little bit harsh but i think it's more a question of like we we kind of like we're we're tied so even even in the even in the the wonderfully creative space of your studio and your your mind you know everything kind of i don't know some people yeah, it depends how your, your, your mind or how you organize your, your, your thoughts and your creativity. But it is a gilded, privileged cage. It's a gilded, it's a gilded privileged cage, but uh, in a way, I mean, okay, like, I mean, this is something, maybe it's not privileged, you know, like uh, working for, you know, guess, I mean, guess what I've, what I've kind of generated in terms of like annual income in the past year, you know, I, I could work in a supermarket maybe and kind of like earn, earn more. You know, so pr privileged to a point. You know. Okay, but yeah, I will. I will like contradict that one. I I understand. I know lots of people, and people give this to me all the time. They're all like, "Oh, well, why don't you just get a job? Like, just get any fucking job to have yeah. like a nice stable income, yeah. and then you can do your artist stuff on the weekends." And I'm like, "Fuck you all! I have based my entire education, my career, my life around this." industry or this practice that I, which I hate calling it a practice, by the way, because I feel a bit of mastery at this point in my career, but whatever. Mm -hmm. But my practice that like, I hate the idea that people think that I should, should just, just get a fucking job. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're not going to go work at McDonald's just because you're broke because you have an education also. So like you, the fact that I have, because the word art is somehow involved in my name, they think that I'm, I should just settle for anything I can fucking get. Whereas if they have like a engineering degree, they're not going to work at Seven Eleven. Okay, but like, but because it's art, like we should we should settle for anything we can get, and I'm just sort of like fuck off. Yeah, 
it's the like the, the scenario in your head is you you don't understand you don't understand how this works I be, that is a mantra that runs through my head all the fucking of like you don't get it yeah and this is an interesting bridge because okay because it's quite interesting the roles we're playing here because I'm kind of like sort of I guess through this conversation sort of trying to kind of in a way like continually navigate this sort of what I what I can understand is finite or at least certain kind of like pillars of reality within the within the system but like to be an artist you know to be creative in all these things that, okay so I'm going to create a bridge which kind of goes almost meet, meeting you halfway a little bit there uh, I mean I think it's like the problem is is to be uh, to invest time into creativity you know you need time and you need space I mean let's let's just put the money aside for one for I was going to say and money that's, and money. that's the, my trifecta yeah, yeah it's yeah. It, big time yeah uh, but even if we just deal with time and space, because this is, these are two obviously major parts of it. And to, to make, and you, you know, you need that, you know, you need to be able to immerse yourself in something. This takes, you know, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. And, you know, and this is the wonderful thing about creativity because we, we're capable of this and we can do wonderful things as a consequence of that. So it's kind of, it is disheartening when kind of, uh, you know, it's, oh, you could do something else. Oh, you'd make such a good, like, such and such, or you'd make, you'd be brilliant at doing this. It's like, you don't quite understand what I'm, what I'm, what I want in life, you know. But again, it's the kind of, it's the, I guess it's the, the internal conflict, which kind of, at this moment of time, like, we, you know, artists particularly kind of like deal with, because it's like, there is something, and that's why in a way, like, you know, we talk about, you know, we've mentioned the divides in, in the kind of the artistic communities and in, 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 in general ecology. However, what unifies us is we all have this kind of, uh, or most of us, is this understanding, this investment that we have to put into it. And, and through that, you know, a lot of mutual respect is kind of like thrown to people who who, who believe in that and, and are pursuing that. And, and that's a really, uh, I think, empowering thing. But obviously we... It, but then it relates to kind of also the idea of you know we're going through that and as you know me and you we can we can talk very sincerely about the you know the hardships <laughs> which kind of uh and, and it's true you know we put a lot in we work really hard and um and that takes a tremendous amount of of, of energy work creativity and uh it's very personal and ultimately when you do something and you do it well and you situate it in a gallery space or a public space or whatever it has a real impact on people as well not just inside the artistic community but to people who can then look at that and say you know what you have had time to articulate something that I haven't had time to articulate and I think that's a really you know we haven't talked about the audience in that connection and I think for me this is a very affirming thing about making work and so despite the ludicrous kind of like uh uh, I guess kind of environment that we, we we are part of there's something about it which kind of you know when in that brief moment when you communicate something to somebody and it's like I, you know I get that or even like you know I'm really glad I've seen that and and that's kind of a really nice moment because in a society which is fast-paced and is kind of you know when most people are dealing in kind of these I guess like not dealing or expressing themselves creatively you know you need artists within that society to kind of uh think outside the box you know so 
in a sense, I mean, I think for me, that's what drives me as, as, as an artist because you, you need that. And I mean, kind of, again, it was, in the, it was one of those points, uh, you know, because I like the kind of the, the edge we've been treading in terms of like how seriously and how not seriously we take these things. And again, like, I think I, rem- I remember you shaking your head earlier on when we were talking about like democracies, for example, which again, like, you know, are problematic. However, you need the society which enables free expression because when everything kind of is, is so uh, regimental within, within society and there's, you know, and it's, it's driven by kind of like just, just, just gain, you know, financial gain. It's kind of like a highly, even though art is part of like the ultra capitalist kind of system, you know, but we're talking, we're shifting it to kind of like, okay, this space to think differently. You need a society where kind of uh, these voices are, are able to kind of like have a platform because it's really, and it doesn't just serve itself. It, it serves wider society where people can kind of, as, as I said, kind of engage with, with, with ideas and see things, which kind of, in you know, everybody whether you're an artist or not you know i'm not sure i mean I'm, you, you would totally have an understanding of this and it's like we're all com- we're all complex you know so it could be like even though kind of you know it could, it could be your a family member for example or somebody who's not an artist but we all you know we all everybody kind of i think has this complexity which kind of art can draw out you know of, of people you know so if you present kind of a a work which kind of uh I mean, maybe we, we come from different camps, but I do. There is usually a concept that comes behind my work. There is an idea there, uh, but when kind of like those ideas connect with people, it's it's a really I think a really affirming thing, and it just helps kind of. I don't know. You know, we need. I just think we need that in society. We need. We need, uh, and that's why. Also, when we discuss the art world, it's important that kind of all the kind of like the, the artist communities kind of keep a true sense of like, okay, creativity and diversity within those particular colleges according to kind of, I guess, countries or internationally. Well, I mean, just to be clear and to be like, you know, I don't know, vulnerable about it, but like the the position I'm taking is wrong. Like mm. the, everything that I have expressed about like my romantic ideas, how much I hate all this kind of, the, all the work and the, the, the dirty work that you call it, the, all that kind of stuff, I'm wrong. Like it, I'm doing it wrong. And, and, and unfortunately for too many years, I sort of fought to try to do it in that wrong way mm-hmm. when everybody kept pointing me like, oh, you need to write grants. Oh, you need to get this. Oh, you need to do that. And I kept fighting it saying, no, I don't need to. No, I don't need to. And I want to make it really clear to the listeners. Like if you're cheering along on my side of this whole ar- sort of argument, you're wrong also. <laughs> like, I mean... it's not it's not the way the art world works and that's why I created this podcast so that I could hear how wrong I am about how I thought the world worked and the reality of it is is that like I had it wrong from the get-go and so hearing these kinds of insights is always sort of like makes me a little humbled I'm sort of like fuck yeah I gotta just step up and do that shit I mean (laughs) Uh, you know, again, like I can only talk in terms of contradictions. You're wrong, but you're not wrong at the same time. We're all wrong. <laughs> We're well, all, well, I'm you know. I'm optimistic in a romantic way, but it's not the truth of it. It's not the way it actually works. Now, 
And that's a big difference because maybe it did in the past and maybe I'm overly romanticizing, you know, the 1920s, you know, mama, like drug fueled productions of, of Toulouse-Lautrec kind of thing. But like, it doesn't work like that anymore. And, and we have to, if we want to be practicing artists in the 21st century, we have to step up and play the games that are set in front of us. And the, like uh, my attempt, I shouldn't even talk for anybody else, but like my attempt to not play those games because I didn't think the games were like relevant or important or anything like that. And I, I you know, buck the system, be the rebellious youth and all that crap. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. So um, I think, uh, you know, uh, also kind of I'd like add something. If you want to be an artist, I think kind of I'd like to insert if you want to attempt to be an artist, because it's um, yeah, it relates back to the idea. There's no there's no guarantee that you can even even be that. But at best, it's a lottery. It, at best, it's a lottery, and you kind of like yeah, you know. So when you do these applications, for example, I mean, maybe it's a lottery ticket where you've got a fifty fifty. You know, I always so say for example, I mean, yeah, I mean, agree. You, you have to you have to kind of like. Uh, uh, play the you know I mean it's a, a cliche play the game so I mean it's I think it, 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 playing the game also it sounds it, it's but it's still true uh, and it can be a fun game it can be a tiresome game it could be a game that actually you know we, we need to change but there, there's, there's always a, it, is, it is a game in that sense um, and I think you know going back to you know but you have to kind of do that and, and there's no guarantees as well I mean I said like applications I mean if I do an application for a project when I do that I mean, I guess this is, you know, it could be advice to someone out there who wants to... Which is a yeah. great way to end this. So yeah, yes, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so it's like, if you've, you know, spent time with us over this podcast <laughs> uh, and you're thinking about writing an application, whether you're, a, I don't know, whoever you are, an experienced artist or somebody who, who hasn't, you're writing your first application, it's like, it's chiefly you do it because you want to do it. That has to be, for me, that's, that's the kind of the that's what drives you because you're an artist and this relates to kind of like the beautiful stuff we talk about the creativity the production the the kind of the pure kind of uh artist kind of like you essentially without being silly about it the belief that this is an important thing to do so then it's like okay how do i describe that in a way which i guess is readable to the the panel who will make uh, a decision on that and so in a sense making it uh doing that you have to have an understanding of like okay you know you'd have to maybe have an understanding of how to write an application you might have to read other applications because it is as we say a language a language game to be played but ultimately you know when you do that you can't be deluded about like in this is the whole thing you, you can't be deluded about what's going to happen it's like okay so i've done that so i'm going to set that up as a 50 50 it's like i believe in that but also somebody else will completely maybe just not not want to back it well going back to your wording like expectation setting your expectations of course but you, the thing is i mean for me and i mean i don't know i mean i'm, I'm talking about a particular ratio there but i think it, where i am particularly in my 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 kind of career i do it because i have a belief in it i i, I do it because and when I do these applications, I have an understanding of like maybe that, that system. So, and I do it because I think it's in with a shot, but also this is where we hit the wall. So we, on a, as much as we can, try and gauge, 
okay, how does this system work? So understand, try and understand, okay, what are the opportunities and where can I, you know, where can I apply? Where can I uh, try and understand the possibilities? But even when you have an understanding, which is always always kind of a, a continuous thing to try and understand how things work even when you hit that point you know you get a refusal you know and then all of a sudden this kind of like wonderful idea that you have you'll have to adapt it will either crush it or you have to kind of adapt it in 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 in, in you know push it in a different direction or just kind of like get up and and start again or, or keep going and this is kind of i guess like the for me the i guess what characterizes how many artists continue it's sheer stubbornness because it doesn't matter how much you understand we're completely like uh navigating a world where we have very very low levels of control uh you know we're not the accountant you know we're not kind of we're not somebody who knows what they're getting at the end of the day mostly you know it's completely random and so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it sounds like it's quite depressing, kind of, it's quite depressing in, in some senses, but that's, that's how it is, you know, and, uh, but you have to keep going because ultimately it's that, it's that kind of belief which drives you or just that kind of like desire to kind of like express yourself and produce because maybe we haven't talked about that enough, you know, the production aspect, it's, it's the enjoyment of, of, uh, of, of making, you know. And we'll cover that in another episode <laughs> in the future. <laughs> This has been great fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, totally hungover. It's really, really bad. And so. <laughs> Before you leave, we would like to thank you for listening all the way through the entire episode. We would appreciate it if you would share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, studio mates, anybody with an interest in the arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community, not only today, but for the future, is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014. The audio was edited by Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.